Hi, James. Ben, how are you? I'm doing okay. I, I am feeling rested and relaxed and ready to podcast. How are you? That I it's not <laughs> usually the case that that is that is what I hear. That's fantastic. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited for the weekend. I'm going off to a big music festival, so bags are packed and ready to go. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, uh, w- good luck to you. I hope you have fun. But we got we got to get this in the bag then. Let's do it. All right. Our thanks to MailChimp for sponsoring Exponent, as they do every week. With MailChimp, you can analyze the purchase history of each customer, make smart data and predictions about what they'll want to buy in the future. It's enterprise-level technology made simple for everyone. Just drag and drop. When you connect MailChimp to your store, you can send personalized product recommendations to your customers, increase sales. You can detect purchase patterns in your e-commerce data and use them to automatically predict your customers' buying behavior. So you can target the right people with the right products. And you can learn more about each customer's individual purchase history and recommend items by viewing their subscriber profile this and many more things you can do with mailchimp and our thanks to them for sponsoring exponent that was an impressive read the speed with which you did that it's i mean it's normally quick but you banged that one out i was impressed i have to get over with so that people don't skip it and it shows up in our <laughs> podcast analytics oh snap look at that what a segue i, I mean the se- it was up it was right on the t I, I could not help but take the segue good i'm glad it, i i didn't even realize i was knocking it up for you well, thank you. So there was some significant news about podcasts, which is something that are obviously close to our hearts in that we are talking on a podcast. And I know this is uh, – we are not the first podcast to talk about podcasts. To our credit, though, I believe we actually talked about podcasts in the business of podcasts a little over a year ago and w- when I wrote about the future of podcasting. And it, the difference, though, in that context was we – our discussion was sort of – thinking about it, it was really about how media com- media comes with the future which is certainly a regular topic but in this case the idea was media companies going forward need to not be locked into a mindset that we are a text company for example or we are a mm. video company or we are a, a, a podcast company that to take a sort of holistic approach to your business is something that makes more sense in the long run. And certainly a part of that is thinking about monetization and whatnot. We'll link to it in the show notes. I think it is relevant to what we'll talk about today, but still sort of distinct. It is distinct. This is almost like the infrastructure, about the infrastructure that enables a format to to blossom or not and and how that infrastructure comes about and the the centralization or decentralization. And it's also related to a little bit to last week because I guess the precipitating factor was uh, Apple's focus on this at last week's WWDC conference. They dived into podcasts and were adding a few new features to the uh, to the space. Yeah, I think your point about infrastructure and sort of centralization is actually why I think this is an interesting topic. We are going to talk a bit about podcasts and the business of podcasts and Apple's role in it. But I think it's particularly fruitful. And if you go back and read the article I wrote this week about podcast analytics and centralization, if you think about it, it's actually talking about not just podcasts per se, but about how sort of markets are organized and how they monetize, particularly advertising-driven ones. So as Mm. we sort of talk about this, we are talking about podcasts, but I think the sort of takeaways are much broader than, than this particular sort of meta topic as it were as you're talking i'm reminded a little bit of uh, (laughs) aggregation theory but i guess we'll see if we get there 
aggregation theory is omnipresent in this article, and I think I managed to go. To, I think I managed to write it without actually saying the words. But uh, but alas, the cat's out of the bag. So so let's get to it. So the the sort of analogy to think about with with this is I kind of went back with podcasts to when podcasts got started, and there were the various pieces that came about. Like there were the there's the idea of RSS invented by a guy named Dave Weiner, who who was also instrumental in sort of the first sort of podcast, which was this idea where there would be a feed. And there was something called uh, – they added something called an enclosure to the feed, which is basically a link to a media file somewhere on the internet. And the idea was with a feed, you could you could pull the sort of feed source. And when there was something new, it would be updated. And now that there was a link to a media file, you could download that media file. And so you, you had media files – now you had you needed new kinds of apps which were called podcatchers. These are actual things. Pod you had catches. to have a podcast. A podcatcher is basically like an RSS reader, but for podcasts, mm. and which we think of today as podcast players. They are they are podcatchers. Mm. And what these would do is you would load in the 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 URL of the feed. It would pull it every you know every hour or every day or however often you set it to. And when there was something new, it would catch the podcast. It would it would catch the media file and pull it down into the app. Then. Of course, if you wanted to listen to it, you had to figure out, you know, usually had to manually or some kind of built-in integrations. You had to move it usually into iTunes because that was when the iPod was becoming super dominant, thus the name podcast. You you moved it into iTunes and you synced it to your iPod or listened to it on your computer. Then you had to listen to it and you'd go back and, and you had to remember to delete it or you'd have this file with you forever, which you'd already listened to. And it was a, it was a cumbersome process, but all the sort of pieces were there for, for modern podcasts. Like they were all established. What Apple then did next that was kind of – in many respects, Apple did for podcasts what they had done with music players, right? Like I think about – it wasn't just the iPod that made the iPod successful. It was thinking about it from an integrated perspective, which is what Apple did that I think was so incredibly smart. Like people weren't techie. They didn't know what to do. Like loading MP3 files into players and syncing it, there, were, there was a certain demographic that knew how to do that. Most people did not. And one of the things that the early versions of iTunes did when paired up with an iPod was made it super simple to get music, to get it, uh, to either rip it or to buy it online, to get it into the iPod, to get that music in your pocket and away you go. And what you describe from a podcast perspective is kind of the same thing. Like uh, it was, it was complicated. There was friction. And yeah, if you were a techie, you could probably figure it out. But what Apple came along and did for podcasts was the same thing that they did for, for music, which was to completely reduce the friction. So you didn't have to manage it. There was a centralized directory you could sync it with your ipod and it would be on the on the device ready to go and when you'd listen to it it would be removed which actually counted for a lot because those early devices didn't have a lot of storage space that's exactly right and 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 this is sort of the really one of the key takeaways here is by simplifying all those steps and again it, it was two parts it was the syncing and it was also the directory where now instead of saying you had to copy this url and put this other thing and then manage the file you could just go to the itunes store and you could search for a podcast you want to listen to, or, or and they added an editorial component where they would promote, you know, oh look at these hot new podcasts, or they have mm -hmm. the top list, or whatever it might be, and and also a podcaster instead of having the URL and having to sort of teach someone how to how to copy something, they could just put a link to iTunes on their page to say click this and it'll be on your iPod, and mm -hmm. it was dramatically simplified, and and this was 
such a boon for both sides of the equation. The most obvious benefit was to the end users because now it was so much easier to find and discover and get podcasts. But that was a huge benefit to the podcast producers themselves because by virtue of having it, making it so much easier to use, it dramatically expanded the addressable market because now anyone could could get a podcast. Now, to be sure, actually making people aware of podcasts and being familiar with them was a long sort of haul, but that was a critical first piece. And this is kind of the big point. By centralizing everything, by centralizing everything into iTunes and into the iTunes music store, Apple, one, made things better for users, Two, made things better for producers. You hear the idea of centralization, centralization, and it sounds like a bad thing. And people complain about Facebook being a bad thing and Google having too much power and all these sorts of things. And the reality is centralization happens because it's better, at least in the short term, first and foremost for users. And because Mm. it's better for users, the market is much larger, which means it's better for producers. It's really better for everyone in this sort of virtuous cycle. Apple has done this time and time again, right? Uh, you think about, and the, the example came up last week, I think it was, of mobile applications uh, f- uh, on, on your phone. Before the App Store, it was the Wild West. You would be pulling down package files. You had no idea whether they they were uh, contained uh, things that were going to compromise your phone. Paying for it was a pain. Everything would be different, and they centralized it. And it's it's more, it's not just centralization for centralization centralization's sake. It's providing a good experience, providing quality control, reducing friction, making it easy for people. And you will make a market when you do this. And that's what they've done. They did it with they did it with electronic music. They did it with uh, applications uh, on mobile devices. And they did it with podcasts. Uh, and it's a it's a pretty remarkable feat that they did it uh they did it three. They've done it multiple times like this. Well, it's not just Apple though. This is the case for all these companies, and this is this is the link to aggregation mm. theory. Like this is how aggregation theory works. You you make something simpler and more approachable and better for users. Users use it, and producers flock to it because the market becomes so much larger. Mm. Facebook makes discovering content from your friends and family easier. Well, people spend more time there. All these other companies that want people's time, that want attention because they're advertising-driven, they flow to Facebook and they format their articles for Facebook and they do instant articles. They do all this sort of mm. stuff. Google makes the internet in its immense size and it makes it manageable. How do you find stuff? You go to the Google search box. Well, guess what? Everyone starts putting you know the 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 maps on their web pages and they and they make themselves friendly for Google. And Google says make it mobile friendly. They make themselves mobile friendly. Google says add SSL. They add SSL. Google says add AMP, even though it's a terrible format. We can play it another time. And they, they, add, they, they add AMP. And why? Because they have control over the users. Why do they have control of the users? Because it's better. And, and, and you get this virtuous cycle. And now you have everyone on your app or you have everyone on your website or whatever it might be. And you're, you're even better as a result. And again, the, the podcast is a perfect example. Apple made the market larger by making this process much easier, which means everyone, when they start a podcast, what do they do? They make their podcast. They list it in the iTunes store. They voluntarily put it there. They format everything so it's according to Apple's things. Apple's introducing these new tags about podcasts. Everyone's going to implement them. Why? Because that all the customers are using the iTunes store thanks to this, you know, what was built out way back in, in 2006. 
there's this abstraction that you can almost make. And again, it's one we've made previously, but it's almost like these companies act as governments of an economy and they set these rules and going from chaos or or a, or a, an area where there are no rules, which is what the web is, I think, in, in a lot of instances, uh, when we talk about whether it's music or whether it's a podcast, like that's what the web will kind of descend to. But actually, this formation of, of quote unquote, a government and how they choose to manage the economy then determines the nature of the commerce that springs up. And what's interesting is Apple has, and, and, and comparing the way that these different companies have running them, and even, even the same company uh, looking at different marketplaces. So Apple has approached iTunes, their music store, and the app store, and podcasts entirely differently. And each of these lend themselves to different business models for the creators and for Apple itself. And, and they've built these economies and they've managed these economies differently. And the economies have developed and turned out differently as a result of that. You really put your finger on sort of the tension about these sort of centralized these centralized markets for for lack of a better word. And the tension is this. What makes the open web so amazing is the sheer sort of you can do anything you want. Like mm. you can invent things like podcasts. Like podcasts were invented and 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 no one could say no tell you no. No one could you know I think you know Dave Weiner is has been a pioneer in this in this area for many many years with things like RSS and feeds and podcasts. And why could he do that? Because no one could tell him no. You could just do it, right? But how do you productize it and make it so that anyone can use it, thus expanding the market? You need someone to sort of way down the law, as it were. For, for, right. and, you, and again, you see this again and again. The web was out there and Google provided order to it. And personal connections were out there. The idea of like knowing mm. your friends were out there, but Facebook provided order to it. In, the, in this case, a podcast were out there, Apple provided order to it. The app thing's exactly right. The idea of applications was out there. Installing apps was out there. Nokia had apps. BlackBerry had apps. But by providing order in a, in a customer-centric way. Again, this is the key thing. The power always flows from the customer. It doesn't flow the other way. This is why the internet's fundamentally different than the offline world. In the offline world, power flows from controlling supply. Uh, in the online world, power flows from controlling demand. And from that, you, you could provide order. And you can expand the market so it's better for everyone. But don't lose sight of the fact that what are you losing? You're losing freedom along the way. I mean, that brings us pretty nicely to podcasts, right? Because with all the benefits, you are still beholden to this central controller and how they decide to manage their economy. And some some central controllers are very open to things like advertising, for example. So you mentioned Google and Facebook. And obviously, that's the way that they've managed to, that, that's the business model they've chosen to employ to scale across the personal connections and across making sense of the web. But that is not something that's, that's inside of Apple's DNA. And this is an interesting case because they are well positioned in terms of owning the customer, both on the desktop, but also in terms of personal audio technology with the iPod and subsequently with the iPhone in terms they own all the consumers. So th they are well positioned to start this centralization process and create rules in such a way that consumers find it a delightful experience. But podcasts as opposed to apps and opposed to music 
they lend themselves like this is this is more like radio than it is like traditional application development or the the music industry and radio is always it's pretty much been a model that's been built on advertising and that's not something in apple's dna and as a result it's never quite developed as much as it possibly could have well let's let's think about where podcasts are now so podcasts to your point are primarily monetized through advertising they the total size is relatively small i mean estimates vary wildly but it's somewhere in like the hundreds of millions of dollars like it's not, not it's not even a billion dollar market which you know relatively speaking is 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 quite small and probably the low hundreds hundreds of millions and you think about what kind of advertisements are there what's interesting they're actually all mostly the same kind of advertisers they are things like like mailchimp well what is what is what does mailchimp get well mailchimp is a service that you sign up and you use and you use it you pay a subscription fee and you use it over time. And you ideally the ideal to much of customer is going to have significant lifetime value. So you take someone like me, for example, at Stratechery, I use MailChimp. I started out using MailChimp on the free plan. Oh, I should have done the free ad read for MailChimp. That would actually have been even better. You can start with a free plan and then once you get 2,000 subscribers, you have to pay. Well, that's why do they do that? Because you sign up for a free plan. And if you're successful, then now you have more than 2,000 subscribers. You have to start paying. And are you going to actually shift away from MailChimp to another mail provider? I mean, you can, but it, it, gets, it gets very complicated and messy and difficult. There's a, certainly a degree of lock in there. And then you keep going up. And now I have you know a, a whole lot more than 2,000 subscribers. Uh, you know, I both have my free mailing list and my paid mailing list. And I'm paying MailChimp a whole bunch of money. And I'm paying them money every single month. And again and again. So my lifetime value to MailChimp is very, very significant. It's same thing with other things. Squarespace, for example, the most famous podcast advertiser of them all. What do they do? Web hosting. Web hosting is a, an amazing business. Why? Because people sign up for a website, they get their domain, and then like they might not ever touch their website, but they never take it down either, right? They just keep paying ten dollars or fifteen dollars a month, or it might be month after month after month after month. And you see, it, it, there's similar things with other ones. Like there's um, underwear. Come on, Ben. Yeah, there's like an underwear subscription service. Then another recent popular, another recent popular <laughs> advertiser, and you get you get underwear every single month in the mail, and it's it's great. Or all these sort of like monthly box things, right? Uh, popular mm. podcast subscribers. And what's the key thing with all of them? One. They all have, you know, their goal anyway is significant lifetime value where they're accruing lots of money from subscribers over time. And also, too, usually there's some sort of like transaction at the beginning that makes it where you go to Squarespace, go to squarespace.com slash name of podcast or whatever. And Mm -hmm. what does that allow them to do? They can track conversions. They have an idea. Again, it's not a perfect idea because people will sign up for Squarespace after hearing Squarespace ads and they might not put the the URL, they might forget who it is, but it gives them sort of an indicator as to which podcasts are are delivering them customers. And they can use that to make decisions. They can, what's the lifetime value of, of a typical customer? How much does it cost to advertise on this podcast? What's the sort of return rate we're getting? And they can make intelligent decisions about advertising such that they're, you know, advertising less than the lifetime value and at least in theory, making money. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it, and that makes lots and lots of sense. I guess the other broad observation that I would make is that given that this still isn't a mainstream, I mean, it's certainly much more mainstream than it was 10 years ago. And there are a bunch of things we have to th- thank for that. But it's still not a mainstream activity. Like, I, I mean, San Francisco is not a representative sample, but you go to random city in, in the world, most people don't listen to podcasts. They're still on the radio. And I would say 
there is a bias towards people who are more technical, obviously a lot less technical than having to set up a podcatcher, but they're still a little bit more technical. They're open to trying new things and they prefer this format to the format of the radio. And a lot of these services uh, appeal to techies and folks like that, whether it's MailChimp or Squarespace or even the notion of buying underwear as a subscription. That's the kind of thing that someone who is a little bit more technically minded is probably going to be open to. It's an interesting point. I do think, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. We're both technical people, so we're probably biased towards, you know, thinking about podcasts in that perspective. I do think podcasts are increasingly breaking out to the broader mainstream. And Mm. I, to me, I think the bigger issue though is not just the sort of customer. It's that these, the reason these are the types of advertisers is because they have a mechanism to measure. Mm. And that mechanism is that, is that URL, which is totally a hack to be clear. And not just that, but also it's a lot of work, right? You have to work, you have to, yes, there is a centralized podcast ad seller. The biggest is called Mineral Media, but you have Mm. to like deal with them. You're dealing with individual podcasts and yes, it's great that hosts read it, but then there's no real quality control. Do you know they're reading it correctly or, you know, all those, there's all sorts of like, there's a lot of work that goes into it to, to advertise right now and it's really hard to measure so the, the all the companies you get that's why that's why I highlighted the sort of companies they are one th- their lifetime value tends to be very high mm. which means it's worth the effort to get a customer one and two they have a way to measure sort of the transactions they at least have in broad strokes know if it's worth it what they're spending and th- again all this is because there's there's no infrastructure to monetize with podcasts until this past week. We'll get to the Apple's announcements in a moment. No one knew if people even listened to podcasts. All we know for Exponent is that you know forty thousand people, or whatever, download it. We don't actually know how many people actually listen to it. No one knows, and we don't know if people skip the ads. Do people actually listen to to the Mailchimp thing at the beginning? I don't know. No one knows. Mailchimp doesn't know. No, no one knows. And not just that, but 40,000 people is nice. It's not really worth the time for Coca-Cola or or Geico. Geico, I think, is the biggest advertiser on radio. It's not worth the effort to deal with an audience size of 40,000. It's much easier to just go to Clear Channel and buy a set of ads that run across millions and millions of people. So anyhow, so let's let's get to the actual announcements because I think that they're one, they're interesting, and two, I think the reaction to them has actually been like totally mostly off to be to be honest. So the announcement the big announcement is that Apple is going to now provide analytics for podcasts played through the Apple Podcast app on iOS, which is pretty dominant. It's like 50% of of mm. Of podcasts are played through Apple's app. iOS is dominant in general. iOS, according to to uh, industry surveys, is something like seventy to eighty percent of podcast listening happens on iOS devices. And within iOS, Apple's podcast app, as you would expect from a sort of default built-in app, is dominant. Which means Apple is in a place to actually measure those things I just talked about. They can measure if an, if a podcast was actually played or not. They can measure how long it was played for. They can measure skipping, like what parts of podcasts were skipped. And everyone heard this news it was like oh my gosh the market's gonna crater it's all over everyone's gonna find out that people are skipping ads and the entire ecosystem's gonna gonna be a disaster i'm skeptical of that i'm too no it's not gonna happen why i feel like people have this view of advertisers are there some stupid advertisers out there without question but you saw this with facebook walk people's like oh yeah facebook it's all a scam everyone's just buying ads on there it's all (laughs) no 
<laughs> buying ads on Facebook is the is the opposite of a scam, especially like this whole app ins- the whole app install ad sort of thing. Mm. That stuff is measured to a f- decimal mm-hmm. point. People know exactly how much they're spending on Facebook. They know exactly how many people are converting. They know exactly what percentage of those people are playing. You know. Candy Crush or wherever the game du jour is, and they know how much they're spending, and they know what the lifetime value of those customers is, and they can back it out into how much they're spending on, on, on app install ads. It is the most precise advertising there is in the world, and you have people out there saying, ah, these idiots throwing money at Facebook install ads. Just wait till they figure it out that it's all a scam and Facebook's going to go under. It's, it's insane. It is insane. And I, I would say that you look at the sophistication of some of these companies that are advertising on podcasts. These are tech companies that are successful. Now, there are drawbacks to podcast advertising, and you did a great job of listing them. Like, it's really hard to measure. Like, they're kind of small, so there's a lot of effort involved. That being said, you can get a pretty good sense. MailChimp, like MailChimp doesn't have the slash podcast name, but Squarespace does. Previous advertisers that have been on this show does do and 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 they as a result of that they are able to pretty get a pretty good sense of of whether this is working and, and whether it's not like because they've got a measure in terms of ultimate conversions and and unless you think that all these tech companies that are playing in this space are just in the business of throwing money against the wall and my sense is uh, companies like MailChimp and Squarespace are, are, are pretty metric-driven, and they're probably pretty intelligent about how they allocate their ad spend. Yeah, sure, there are people that are going to skip, but I reckon those guys are going to be pretty close to in the ballpark, and this, what this is going to do is going to give other advertisers who might not be able to get conversions quite as accurately because of the nature of the sign-up or whatever, or the sale. Like, there's not that... Uh, go to the URL slash name of the podcast. It's going to allow other po- uh, other advertisers to get in on this as well. Not a lot. Like this isn't going to be game changing, but it's certainly going to nudge it in that direction. There's just a broader sort of point I would make. And I made this point repeatedly on the podcast that a, a really fast way to do really stupid analysis is to presume that people are stupid. Right. <laughs> yes. But this is a perfect example. I mean, no offense to people who've, who've you know, had this opinion, but if your presumption is that podcast advertising is now going to fall through the floor because people will suddenly realize that their ads are being skipped, the implication of that is that the people buying these ads are stupid. And as always, I find it much more productive to start out with the presumption that people are smart. Now, believe me, the end result may be that they're stupid. And I'm sure there are stupid advertisers out there. Of course there are. There's stupid people in all aspects of life, in all aspects of business. And they're all found out they're all found out eventually, eventually right? Yeah. In this case, though, if you start with the presumption they're smart, then you figure, hmm, they probably already have a pretty good handle on what the ROI is here, right? And then you think about it. Again, that's my point about describing how all these advertisers are kind of sort of the same. Well, that's interesting. Why are they kind of sort of the same? Ah, because they have some way to track conversions or at least not track. Again, it's not tracking perfectly, but they have a general sense of what they get for the money they spend, right? And hmm, that seems like a lot of lot of work. Why would they do all that work? Well, maybe they do all that work because they can in the over the lifetime of a customer they acquire, they can make hundreds or thousands of dollars. So it's actually worth the effort to do it. And and wow, suddenly that all makes more sense as opposed to saying, oh, people are gonna fuck. Did you did you know that people are skipping ads? Oh my god. 
I can't believe it. I, I'm I'm with you. It was point well made, and your um your use of um your use of voices <laughs> this episode has been particularly good. But I, it's almost like there's an arbitrage opportunity. Like these guys are taking advantage because it's so small, because they have high lifetime value customers, and because they can figure out to some extent what the what what, what the conversion rates are because they capture it right at the conversion point. They actually are probably picking up advertising at a lesser rate on some of these podcasts than they would be paying if they were paying through mediums where it was perfectly tracked because oh, without yeah, question. you yeah, you get it you get it on Facebook. Like it is down to the dollar because you can do the perfect analysis. But the thing is, once you can do the perfect analysis, so can everybody else and it's probably pretty easy to do. So that opens the market right up and then the price ends up converging on the, on the price of the customer. Here it's a very lumpy market. Like supply and demand don't easily meet. So chances are the price is going to be depressed and they they're actually out in front as opposed to uh, paying too much. That would be my hypothesis. I, I completely agree. And again, a lot of these companies are are startups and some of them will succeed and some of them won't. I think the ones that won't succeed won't be because they advertise on podcasts. It'll be because the business wasn't viable for, for some reason or another. But to my point, if if a company, like Squarespace is a great example, they've been advertising on podcasts for like seven years. I don't think they would be doing that if they were completely clueless about, about the effect or if they were just idiots or they, they suddenly... They suddenly in 2017 realized people were skipping their ads. It makes no sense. Anyhow, your point though about efficiency is a great segue because you go back to again all, the money in podcasts is very very small, right? It's really not that much. And you go to other industries. Well, people once said that money on the web was very very small. It's mm. not that much. And well, it turns out Google <laughs> figured out mm. that. There's a whole ton of money on the web, and they're making a whole bunch of it, and they continue to make a whole bunch of it. And people, and then people are like, oh, on mobile, there's no money, right? Well, it turns out there's lots of money on mobile. In fact, there's more money on mobile than there is on the web. Remember the whole thing? Like print dollars become digital dimes, become mobile pennies. It's actually the exact opposite. Mobile is the most valuable medium of them all. But what did it take to get to that? What it took to get to that was, to your point, it took efficiency. It took actually making it efficient. The thing about advertising is you have to have a way to measure. That's that's absolutely right. Mm. So you've mentioned a couple times, and it's, and it's true, that Apple providing analytics. And again, for now, as I, far as I understand, they're only exposing it to the podcast podcast publisher themselves there's not like a third party view for advertisers which would be you know if they want this market to develop which we we'll get to in a moment that would be something that'd be interesting but but by and large more analytics will not make will not hurt advertising for podcasting it will increase advertising for podcasting because there's more ways to measure different types of advertising not just the sort of high lifetime value sort of can can get a broad idea of trend of of how well it's converting sort of companies that dominate the space right now. So that's exactly right. But and this is the key thing, people are also going in the other direction with this news. They're like, oh podcast the floodgates are gonna open. Advertising is going to flow in. I can't wait till you hear Coca-Cola on every on, on on every podcast. That's not going to happen either. And the reason it's not going to happen is because having a little more visibility into the analytics is not the same thing as bringing efficiency into the space. 
the reason why Google made web advertising into such a big thing is because you had a one-stop shop for advertisers mm-hmm. where you could come in, you could reach nearly everyone right at the funnel point where that Google controlled, where people kind of entered the web. Same thing with Facebook. Facebook is making mobile advertising a huge market, and it's mostly Facebook, along with Google, of course, because they is they have all the users and they have oh, advertisers can walk up and they can deal with just Facebook, right? No advertiser wants to actually deal with all the podcasters out there in the world. It, this this makes total sense. Like, and this is the distinction between how Google and Facebook have turned uh, the web and mobile into the thing that it that the, the the things that they are today. And Apple is that they treated advertisers as a party at the table that needed to that needed their own tools in the same way that Apple is treating podcast creators and they're treating podcast consumers as legitimate people at the table that same process needs to happen for advertisers they they don't want to go around and email every individual podcast and say hey we want to buy a spot on uh, XYZ podcast like like you said it's Coca-Cola's just going to hit up Clear Channel and like here's however many millions of dollars like I don't have to think about it and it's it's not going to like this will bring more liquidity into the market what Apple is doing but it's going to be still small players it's going to be folks that are willing to still be sniffing around looking for arbitrage opportunities it's not going to be the people that have these monster checks that need to deploy all this advertising money because Apple's not treating them as a legitimate player in this ecosystem exactly right and so they're, they're, I mentioned midroll earlier they're kind of the largest player in the ecosystem that, that and for all the reasons you expect they're a centralized place where people can go to sell ads right so squarespace mostly would deal with deals with midroll so they they buy spots from midroll midroll places the ads in in all sorts of podcasts all all over the web the problem though is again midroll sort of limited to the podcast that makes sense in the world that we're in the squarespace mailchimp sort of podcast to expand the base you need the analytics you need to understand who is listening have a broad idea of who it is and the only company that's really in a place to get that is apple because again because and here the key is not just the directory it's the player it's because they have the player that can they can actually get that sort of data and so you have mm. this situation where you have a company like Mineral with the ambition and the and the business model to build out this space but the only co- but but that that that's not good enough it's not good enough to have the business model. You have to have the customers. And that's what Apple has. Apple has the listeners such that if they wanted to, they could actually build out a much more substantial analytics package than just showing a dashboard for podcasters. And they could know who's listening. They could know broad strokes, what demographics they are, where they're located. Apple has all of the pieces to build an ecosystem here and to actually bring in substantial amounts of money such that podcasts could actually, I mean, yeah, you say podcasts are still relatively small. I mean, 25% of the population is listening to podcasts these days. And I think in the last month, something like that, at that point, it's, it's pretty big. It's, it's, it's expanded beyond tech folks, but it will never actually garnish the monetization to match that attention without the centralized source. And that's sort of the key thing I was driving at this article beyond just podcasts that especially for advertising, because efficiency matters in the buying process, 
you will never have the monetization to match the attention without the centralization. This goes back to our conversation yesterday around how Apple is using privacy, uh, the way they've approached privacy and their poo-pooing of advertising is is costing them and it's it's uh it's costing them whether it's we're talking about artificial intelligence but it's also frustrating because this is an instance of another topic that's come up on the podcast a bunch recently this is an instance where there's being damage done to an ecosystem that you don't even realize is happening there's a foregone opportunity i i can understand some of apple's sentiments around privacy but no advertiser is going to get my individual data i don't care if an advertiser gets provided aggregated statistics of which I'm in and there are 60,000 other listeners and that's bringing in more advertising dollars because that's going to result in this in a massively expanded ecosystem in terms of the quality of the podcast content because if there's one thing that folks should take away from listening to all these podcasts it's like the business model is key and right now uh, the the business model the economy of podcasts is being stalted because apple is making this decision to cut out I mean, and in many senses, like everyone thinks, oh, podcasts exist because of Apple. And that is true. It got it all started, but it is not anywhere near reaching the potential that it could because they aren't facilitating advertisers into this podcast ecosystem. Well, you went straight to the flame throwing. Um, <laughs> I would argue it's not just a, the, a privacy thing, though. I mean, the, the reality is, is that to really take advantage of this opportunity requires a really just different sort of approach and mindset than Apple mm. Apple sort of has internally. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. Uh, set aside the privacy sort of thing, which I think is – my issue with the privacy is my concern about Apple's strictness in privacy having an impact on how good their products are, which gets to the very mm. core of Apple's mm-hmm. business model. In this case, yes, you're right. Apple will never actually build out the sort of degree of analytics that would necessary for this to become a a, a multi-billion dollar sort of opportunity because mm. privacy is part of it. But part of it is just that's not the sort of company Apple is. I mean, they're, they're not – it's like let's, – let's do this way. Let's leave aside Apple because it's so – especially around privacy, mm. it's so inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Google. Google is an advertising company and they're a data vacuum and they're sucking it all in. And yes – to as we've argued, they're not selling your data, but they are certainly holding on to a lot of data, and they're making it so you can do very fine targeting and you know uh, against your demographics and where you're located and all sorts mm-hmm. of things that probably more than you realize that they have. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're also trying to build a phone, right? And what's our sort of worry or or skepticism about Google building or selling a phone? It's that. The sort of mindset and approach and patience and organizational structure and incentives that go into building a phone, not just building a phone, but building an effective go-to-market, getting the channel, dealing with partners, doing marketing, doing advertising, having the patience to build this all out. That's just such a different skill set than what goes into being an effective advertising company. And this is exactly what I mean in terms of Apple. Apple's the opposite. They're a phenomenal hardware company and they're brilliant at building the products, not just building the products, but doing the marketing and building the channel and doing retail stores and support and all the things that go into being selling devices, 
that's it's such a different mindset and skill set that goes into being an effective advertising company. You've successfully dampened my flame throwing. Like I I can't argue with any of what you just said. Like from a cultural perspective, you're exactly right. They are not well positioned to be able to 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 do what I just described. I guess it's frustrating to me though because they were so and this is it's it's almost an unusual uh, circumstance because they were so well positioned in order to create this ecosystem and uh, re- like create something from nothing. It's like phenomenal. And in the same way that they kind of did with iTunes and their business model was much more attuned to like the iTunes, take a cut of a sale of a song and, and every- everything worked out well there as a result and like making money on the hardware player and Etc. Etc. But what's frustrating about this is I look at this from a business model perspective, and I know that if you unlocked advertising in this, the quality of the content that would be made of it, like it's good already, right? Like you go into the podcast directory, and the amount of amazing stuff that you can get is already pretty phenomenal. But if you could get advertising dollars and truly unlock the business model of podcasts, it could be something else entirely and right now there are there are folks uh, it, it generally it's uh, it's it's not what it could be it relies on uh it relies on people being integrated across podcasts and other content or using podcasts as a loss leading mechanism to build awareness or whatever it might be in order for it to exist and it's that's created some great content but it could be so much more and it's frustrating and it's also frustrating because i don't see a path because apple owns so many of the users i don't see a path for someone to come along with a better business model and displace them because like you said it's the power of defaults there are so many people that globally continue to buy iPhones and they tend to be the most valuable customers, uh, whether it's on the phone in terms of spending on apps, but probably in affluence in general. And those folks are going to be locked into the podcast player app. And as a result, this ecosystem will continue to be hamstrung going forward. I mean, it's interesting to think about it. Just to be clear, as a disclosure, I mean, we are not talking about this in the context of Exponent. I mean, we for both of us, mm. Exponent is a side thing. MailChimp, you know, we have, we have a great partnership with them, but where there are no MailChimp or no sponsorship, we would continue having exponent as we did right. for for you know eighty some episodes before before that. So just to be just to be clear, put that out there. Mm. I, I do I do think you're right, but it's interesting. I mean, your argument is that how many podcasts might be created that won't be because it is an industry that only has a few hundred million dollars in it, mm. right? What if it was mm-hmm. a multi billion dollar industry? What might come in to to get that? I mean, because right now it really is it's it's a lot of talk. It's talk radio basically. And mm-hmm. what might be created outside of that? At the same time, I'm also I'm I, I you're right. I think that the industry is going to be stunted in some respects. But I'm I'm pretty intrigued by that. Because if you think about it, what actually might have developed on the web had there not been what business model I developed had there not been a Google, had there not been a Facebook, and you had this sort of mm. mass centralization happen that made advertising possible, and then everyone was sort of left sort of dangling off the end, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the downside of the centralization is its centralization and its massive power. And yes, Google makes 
impossible for there to be money on the web, but they're keeping the vast majority of the money because they are the ones that are enabling it. Facebook has made it that mobile monetizes, but they're keeping the vast majority of the money and everyone's sort of like struggling, struggling to survive. What happens in podcasts if, to your point, Apple is the only entity that is really well-placed to become a centralized player and thus to attract all all the money? What if they never actually see that opportunity? I'm very interested to see how it develops. I, I mean, I will say there's folks out there who are doing well. That's like, that's great. Let's leave it exactly as it is. But I, I, this, you know, I think your point is important. Like there's lots of potential and possibilities for, for podcasts that, that aren't going to happen as long as there's not sort of real business models beyond this very narrow subset of advertisers for which the format works. It's going to be interesting to see how it develops. It is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And it's not just going to be an intellectual exercise because almost all these other markets have had a player come in and centralize and also put up tolls. Like they've acted as a toll keeper and they have done very well as a result of that. I mean, you say that a lot of these players have also, uh, uh, the, the content providers have struggled to survive as a result of this. And I would say that a lot of the ones that have struggled to survive as a result of those cent- new centralized players emerging are old world companies. And podcasting by its very nature is all new and it's all resulting in new things springing up. And uh, you're right. On one hand, it is just going to be interesting to see how the centralized from a user and creator experience, but no centralized point from an advertiser experience, what that will result in. But I still can't help but feel that there there is going to be less money, even, even taking out the cut that the gatekeeper, the toll keeper will take, there will be less money flowing around the system. And if there's one thing that I am a, uh, a I mean, like capitalism works, right? Like money talks, more money in that system will result in more, more content being created. And because that money's now not flowing around, it's the content that will, it's, it's the tree that falls in the forest that nobody hears. Like it, it, it never is going to be created and we'll never know what would have been happened, what would have happened. But you're right. Like looking how these ecosystems will develop and as much as you can compare, uh, advertising and what it's done with desk desktop content and mobile content, and then thinking about how the podcast ecosystem is different without this tollkeeper. Intellectually, that is super interesting. It will be interesting to see how it happens. Yeah. And the end of the day, I mean, to your point, there is vastly more content than ever in the history of humanity, right? For better or worse. Mm. Yeah. And, and part of that is enabled by there being these platforms that are supported by advertising that, that, that makes it possible. One, two more points. One, mm. I think your point about the old world publishers versus newer publishers is a great one. And it, it's in the case of podcasts. I mean, I've written a few times about Bill Simmons and, uh, the, the sports writer and his current company, The Ringer, which probably primarily monetizes through through podcasts. And he has like 60, 70 people and he claims it's profitable. All, I mean, it's basically all podcast advertising because wow. their site doesn't have, any, doesn't have any ads at all. And hmm. one of his big gripes when he was at ESPN was that ESPN didn't actually take podcasting seriously. And, and they complained, oh, that Simmons' old site called Grantland didn't make any money. And he's like, well, if you would let us actually monetize podcasting, that's how we could have actually made the money. And this is a point I made when Grantland – 
this is the point of our previous podcast episode that the way to think about podcasting, it is a great advertising medium because the users engage, their hands are often busy doing something else. Yes, some may skip, but the reality is you, you actually it's native advertising. It's it's a part of the episode. It, it, mm. It's built into it, just like a commercial on TV or something in your feed. It's a part of the content. And again, people like to pretend that they not impacted by advertising. They are. Mm. You know, we talk. It's myth making, and and it does ha- it does have an effect. Right. But to the point, he had to start a new company for podcasting to be taken seriously and to be the business model to actually undergird the company. An old company like ESPN. It, it didn't even occur to them because the money was so much greater in the other places that they made it. And the analogy to old publications making so much more money on print, making so much more money in these other places and not being able to properly adapt for the new world and the different ways of making money is, is I think, a really good point. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I, it's interesting to think uh, the whether whether radio is perfectly analogous, but uh, it doesn't feel like there's been the shakeup in radio that we have seen in in these other industries. And I think maybe that's partly because slightly slower adoption, and maybe it's coming regardless. And maybe it's also partly because the advertising money hasn't the money hasn't flown into the new ecosystem, creating more of this new content that would result in the the old world of radio and and the like being knocked over as quickly as it happened in print or or in in other industries. Yeah, well I mean it gets to the efficiency of buying ads, right? You can buy ads on radio much more efficiently and you can measure them more efficiently. You can measure things like brand lift by doing surveys and you know where the ads were broadcast. That's another thing, right? When when mm. we, like we have listeners all over the world, how do you even if you want to just do a brand lift survey, how do you know who to survey, right? The 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 amazing about the internet is the entire internet is our market, but that provides real complications when it comes to actually understanding the the effect and whatnot. Yeah, totally. I mean, good luck. You could you do a survey of a population and short of maybe one or two cities, you'd be lucky if you did a big survey, you actually managed to find one of our listeners just because you're reaching across 7 billion people, right? The other thing that will be interesting to see is, you know, I've been writing about and very enthusiastic about alternative monetization outside of advertising for writers, right? For example, right? Where you can do mm. subscription models and basically connecting directly with with readers, it will be interesting to see if that sort of uh, diversity of monetization reaches the podcast world more quickly, just because, in part because there won't be as much money in the ecosystem, but you know, people will, wa- will want to, will still want to create things. And that is kind of the, if there, if there is sort of a broader hope, I think it's, it's that. I mean, the cool thing about the, the flip side of that geographic point you just made, that everyone's dispersed all over the place, is who is actually uniquely in place if there's not going to be a centralized player that's going to connect us to all those players who's going to, going to take on that responsibility, which Apple probably isn't going to. Well, the the other folks that can do that is is us. It's the podcasters themselves who who can build that sort of direct, direct connection, mm. and that's certainly something that will be very interesting to see the extent to which that develops. I mean, I, I know that uh, Patreon has has listed podcasters as sort of one of their their focus groups. I think there's a lot of need for more infrastructure. With they they made a big announcement this week, which added some important pieces. But I, I will be interesting to see if that mm. sort of fleshes out sooner rather than later as well. 
Yeah, totally. Like that that actually makes a lot of sense in the same way that you could have a, an email newsletter that's behind a paywall given the appropriate infrastructure. And it wouldn't be something that a content creator could easily produce. But given the appropriate infrastructure, you could, you could imagine a world in which you have podcasts behind a paywall. Uh, you would probably want a centralized organization developing a faceless publisher, as you would call them, developing the infrastructure such that the content creator can just focus on the content as opposed to having to worry about setting up all the technology. But yeah, like uh, that that makes a lot of sense. And, and who knows, maybe other models as well. The cool thing about podcasts is you can get so deep into a subject. And, you know, I haven't done like paid marketing for Shatekri, but probably the primary external marketing activity I've done is I don't do the like talk to reporters that often. Like, you know, I get tons of requests for interviews and you want to have a quote or whatever. I question how much that actually pays off because you're only like one line in like a story, right? Mm. But when you do a podcast with someone external, you have like an hour or or longer to talk about something and really demonstrate ideally a sort of depth that means you want to learn more, that there's more there than what might be on the surface. So in my case, podcast is almost more, it's not lead generation per se, it's kind of move people down the funnel. But to mm. me, this is very interesting. It goes back to our original podcast about podcasts. Like a media organization of the future has to think about all the mm. different aspects of their business model, all the different aspects of media and how it might work out. And you think about it, podcasts may in the long run be better off without a centralized sort of ad model because a centralized ad model, what kind of podcasting result from that? Mass audience trying to maximize the number of people, maximize their CPMs. That's how it's that's how it's going to work. You get the crap you get on Facebook, right? But podcasts are actually at their best, in my estimation, when they're going deep, when they're very narrow, when they're very niche. And the business model that makes sense for those is actually not the centralized sorts of thing. And, and so. I think there is a reason to be optimistic in that Apple's not going to even pursue this opportunity. We, we The podcast may reach their fullness of potential, which is different than radio. Radio is mass audience. It's There's limited spectrum. You, you have a limited opportunity to reach people. So it fits better with advertising anyway. And, and so I actually think that there is reason to be optimistic here. And the analytics might not actually matter at all in the long run. I guess the only part of what you 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 almost got me entirely actually like uh, with your with what you said and and then you look at some of the organizations or the podcasts that are doing really well and I, I my dirty little secret despite recording this with you is that up until recently other than uh, like I, I other than some dance music which I love I basically didn't listen to any podcasts but I've got into the business of listening to the daily which is the New York Times's uh, podcast that they release every Every day where they deep dive into a specific subject and it's actually pretty good and they you get they pull the reporters in that are about the articles that you're reading and you start to get to know the reporters and in that sense I think you're right like this the the nature of the the uh, the the business model is such that maybe the money is made elsewhere and this becomes a lead generation where people have alternative business models I think that's definitely a possibility I w- I want to push back on you though around the idea that advertising in podcasts is going to lead to this broad-based CPM thing like radio. The reason that that everybody converges in the middle with radio is because there is a limited spectrum. And when you are targeting folks on the web, it is having 
having the best content around a specific topic still will bring people in. Like it's not like articles where people are just clicking. If someone's going to listen to something for an hour, the quality has to be very good. I think the nature of that competition is going to result in in you would still get the deep specialization. I just think there's more money will attract more resources, more people, more more people paying attention to it, potentially resulting in in better quality material, potentially. But maybe maybe you're right. Maybe this is like an this is almost like an almost academic field where people are just doing it because they're interested in it, like us. And there are people that are there are people that have these alternative business models like journalists who are into it. And the the nature of the lack of advertising it creates a different crowd and a different audience, and maybe it's not going to be as well resourced as it otherwise could be. You're trying to talk yourself into agreeing with me, but I, I think you're not going you're not going far enough. the The point about going deep is, I mean, what's imagine a world where Apple Apple did actually build this all out? At the end of the day, hmm. Apple is selling scale, right? That's why Coca Cola is going to sign up and and do do an ad deal with Apple because it's going to be spread out over all kinds of podcasts. So Apple can say you are going to reach a million listeners, you're going to reach five million listeners, or whatever. We're going to make sure they hear your ad, and they will be Apple is the only company that can make that guarantee and can provide a a seamless process for these big brand hmm. advertisers. Remember the big brand advertisers? They're mm-hmm. they're just they only want a little bit of awareness, right? They, they don't have the resources. Mm. Even the biggest ones, it, it's just building affinity, right? Yeah. And so the ROI equation, the level of I matters significantly. It has to be easy to reach a ton of people all at once. If that happens, the only viable way for Apple to compensate podcasters is a CPM basis, which means it follows, yes, to your point, you have to be good to get an audience. But if you're deep on something and you're super narrow and niche, I mean, like I said, we're like 40,000 listeners, which is pretty above average as far as most podcasts in the app store. But we're not going to make very much money at all if it was that system, to be totally frank. Whereas if we were to, say, charge for exponent, which we have no plans of doing, to be clear, and we charge X amount of money, I'm almost certain the amount of money we could make would be much greater than whatever we can get on a sort of CPM sort of basis. And and so I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that business model does start to emerge in part because podcasts are about going deep. That's what's great about them. And going deep, you monetize by going deep on your customers themselves, making lots of money per listener as opposed to trying to spread it out over a whole bunch of a, a, a whole bunch of people. So I agree with part of that, but I just think that the extent I think people will still want to go deep. There will just be more topics for them to go deep on. The quality, the production quality will start to rise. Like, I just think that there would be, so we do one on business and technology and yeah, brand advertisers are part of it, but potentially if it was very easy for a technology company to pick a whole bunch of technology podcasts and reach technology listeners then they're going to they're going to spend uh, it's going to be easier for them to spend money and they could track conversions more easily and so on and so forth same with parenting same with all these other different things i, I don't necessarily think the content would 
all converge in the middle, I think it would be uh, the case that you would just get a lot more people. Everybody has topics that they're deeply interested in, but I don't believe that there are podcasts to match all the topics that people are deeply interested in. Uh, like who would want to listen to podcasts on those topics. And I think that's what that money would do. It would bring a lot more of those podcasts online. And point taken around brand, if it's just CPM, then that's the case. I, I wonder whether something like mid-roll might emerge though, where it wouldn't just be brand advertisers. Uh, Apple would do something more like what mid-roll, where it's not just brand advertisers, it's advertisers who want to reach a specific audience. Like if I'm selling parenting goods, I'll, I'll buy ads on parenting podcasts all day long. And if there's a centralized place I can do it, all the better. Right. But that centralized place, the vast majority of the money is going to go to the centralized player, right? The, the way Apple will make money is by aggregating all these podcasts. Mm. And mm-hmm. my point is any one individual podcast, it's going to be like Facebook. I mean, the, the amount, can you make a lot of money make, creating content on Facebook? Well, you can at least in theory, but you have to take a sort of BuzzFeed sort of approach where you're just spraying all kinds of content all over the place and experimenting and trying to generate virality and all those sorts of things. And that's a very different business model and by extension, a very different editorial strategy than if you're, say, like me and you're trying to drive subscriptions where you're not going to spray and pray. You're going to go for depth and you want something that's worth paying for. And again, the business model and the editorial, all that stuff has to align. So right now, the the players like this, the Squarespace and the MailChimps, they have a way of tracking conversions and so on and so forth. I think there are a bunch of other companies out there, a lot more companies where if the way to measure conversion was more, uh, was more possible and getting the analytics and all those different things, like the more direct response type advertisers that you find on Google as opposed to the brand advertisers that you might find on YouTube, for example. Like, I I think that there is scope for them to be very interested if there was a lot of podcast content created that continued to be deep. And I think having more of that money would result in more of podcasts on different subjects being created. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I, I do think the biggest when you look at podcasting as an industry, I do think the biggest potential is brand advertising a la la radio, but that will be broadly spread out. It will be on a CPM basis and and the centralized player would benefit the most from it. And there would have to be a centralized player to your point though. Yes. Niches don't only have to monetize through subscriptions. They can also monetize through direct marketing in particular. I mean, I think uh, I've used like daring fireball as an example where, you know, John makes a, a great living by being the place to advertise if you want to reach Mac geeks, right? I mean, that's, that's mm. a small-scale example, but there, I think there would be like, – or SeatGeek, for example. SeatGeek doesn't do a tracking sort of thing for conversions. They just sponsor every single sports podcast out there. And if you are a sports fan and you want to buy a ticket for a game, like it is ingrained in every podcast listener's head <laughs> to go to SeatGeek, right? And, and that's a great example of a – sort of direct response advertiser combined with a bit of like brand advertising approach. And you're right. It does, it does fit the depth model. Uh, It's a good point. But part, like there's a meeting of part way, right? I, you're totally right on the brand stuff. I don't think that would move the needle for most podcast creators. 
Well, it would. It'd just be different kinds of podcasts. I mean, m- different kinds yeah. of business models and different kind of monetization methods lead to different kinds of content. Just like we talked about on the web, folks mm. that are driven by advertising create one kind of content. Folks that are driven by subscribers drive a different type of content. Or, and if they don't, they they have big problems. That's a point we made sort of repeatedly. And anyhow, the point is. Apple is really the one place to do this. They're probably not going to do it, so it will be interesting to see how it how it how how it plays out. It might just fizzle, right? It might end up being an industry that's sort of niche and never has real money in it. And to your broader point, that will be a shame because what won't be created that might be created. On the other hand, it'll be like what this will, it could be an example of what the web could have been had there never been this rise of centralization and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to observe. Agree. And podcast about. Yeah, that too. Our thanks to MailChimp for sponsoring this episode of Exponent. And we don't have a URL, but you should definitely go sign up and tell them that we sent you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, amazing. Yeah, I will, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, mate. Have a good one. All right, bye-bye.